Welcome to episode 17 of Coffee and Tea with Dustin and Abby. I'm Dustin Detzer. I'm a certified personal trainer. I have a group fitness class at Four Barrel Fitness out on Mount Tabor Road in New Albany, Indiana. It's called 4B30. It's five days a week at 8.20 a.m. However, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, it's a low-intensity class. It's a recovery flow. If you're interested in that, hit up uh, the Four Barrel website or hit me up on Instagram at Holistic Personal Training 812 I also have a group fitness class here at the Kula Center where Inner Spring Yoga is located, uh, where we're sitting here uh, today recording this podcast. It's called Inner Spring Yoga PE. Uh, it's for all levels. It's at 1045 uh, to 1115, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday here at Inner Spring Yoga. If you go to Inner Spring Yoga's website and click on the shop tab and scroll down, you should be able to find it. There's a picture of some pink dumbbells. I also personal train clients here at the Kula Center as well as at Four Barrel Fitness. So if you're interested in that, go ahead and DM me. And I am here with my <laughs> partner in crime and co-host, Abby L. Newton. I'm back. <laughs> Hello. How you been? I'm good. Well, you know, pretty good. Life is good. I um, just came from, I was visiting my grandma. For our listeners who don't know, she's not doing great. Um, but that's a part of life and a part of aging and, um, actually for our listeners sake, messaged you earlier this week and I've been reading Ram Dass's, I'm going to butcher it. Uh, walking each other home, walking each other home, conversations of, of love, of love on loving and dying. on loving and dying. Yeah. And it's been really insightful. And most of all, just about, you know, how often we forget that we're all dying every day, mm-hmm. even Nora, right? The moment that you're born. Yeah. And so I've just been pretty introspective this week, but it's not been a bad thing either. It's That's been, good. Yeah, it's been a really good thing. But other than that, I mean, I picked up my yoga books recently from here. Awesome. Yeah, Carrie ordered a big stack for me, the ones that I was missing. And uh, we received our first email, right? That's right. With our first weekend, and I am so excited. Me too. I'm so ready. I'm just, I'm ready. Me too. I feel like I've been waiting you know yeah yeah I'm excited about it I'm excited about deepening my practice just learning more yeah. just getting a better connection with everybody that's in the class and yeah that's gonna be super cool I I'm think she has like one it. spot left so if you're interested oh, you should join us yeah and it's a legit uh, teacher training program it's mm. it's not like going to Costa Rica for a weekend or a week it's uh, it's what six months long, two hundred hours. Yeah. Carrie does a ton of research. Uh, Laura does a ton of research, and they're both legit experts. And Carrie's been teaching yoga for fifteen years or longer, right, right. and I think Laura about the same. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, it's it's awesome to learn uh, from a master that you appreciate. And you know, I take Laura and Carrie's classes, and they're fantastic. Yeah, um, it's always a great. It's always like a great thing to, to learn something, even if it's hard, you know, uh, to learn something from a master. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of, I really enjoyed my Animal Flow uh, workshop that led to my Animal Flow instructor certification, which yes. I am now a certified... Congratulations! Thank you. I'm now a certified Animal Flow instructor, and I'm going to have a two-hour specialty class slash workshop on Animal Flow at Four Barrel Fitness Saturday... March 14th from 11.30 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. So it's for two hours. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So 
come out and uh, check that out if you're interested. And if you don't know what Animal Flow is, Google uh, Animal Flow. And there's a great video of Mike Fitch, the creator of Animal Flow. Uh, and the video is titled, This is Animal Flow. And it's, it's, it's a really cool. Is it yoga? It's not yoga. Okay. It's a ground-based uh, movement system that's a mixture of... He sort of combined elements of parkour, dancing... Uh, martial arts and gymnastics into a system. Okay. Uh, it's 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 different. It's fun. Yeah. I, I really enjoy it. Um, it's, it's a fun way to exercise. People can also watch your Instagram videos. You do animal flow on there sometimes. I've been putting a lot so of them cool. Up. Thank you. You look you. good doing it. I appreciate it. Yeah. I'm uh, working constantly, practicing it, trying to get better. Yeah. Um, yeah I. Uh, Freddie Sanzibal was a master instructor who I took uh, his. He was the instructor of the workshop up mm-hmm. in Chicago. And, you know, some of these certs you go to, and it's like a weekend, and you learn a lot, and you do a lot, and you take a little test, and it's over, and you're certified. This was a little more serious. It was a 12-hour workshop uh, instruction in Chicago, and then a written test that you took, which was not bad. But then they give you 30 to 90 days to practice what you learned. <clears throat> and then they give you a list of, I think it was about 20 different of the movements and you have to do so many reps and record it and then submit it to the guy who oh. did the master instructor and then he grades you and they tell you whether you pass or not and I passed I did well and uh, they give you little technique pointers and things to work on so it was like they they really have like That's a cool. quality standards and individualized yeah yeah so I was pretty proud of that one and yeah. I just love doing it it's such a nice compliment to like kettlebell training mm-hmm. or, or yoga mm-hmm. um, but anyway what else have you been up to? I'm planning a second birthday party. <laughs> you know, um, the stay-at-home mom lifestyle keeps me pretty busy. Yeah. Oh, but we're hosting a, um, well, I'm not even hosting it, which is kind of nice. Um, we're doing a music-themed birthday party, you'll have to tell Chad, at the Louisville Academy of Music. And we're oh, doing cool. a, yeah, we're like taking her music class and her music teacher is going to lead a class for all her little friends and my family. Well, that's fun. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I'm kind of excited about it. But I can't believe that she's already two. Yeah. It's insane. Time flies. It flies, but it's, like, so good. Yeah. You know? Yeah, if you're, I mean, if you're happy, time just flies by. Yeah. I think that's true. It is. They've studied it. Uh, In depressed people, they perceive time (laughs) to be moving a lot slower. Hmm. People with clinical depression. And, I mean... I've kind of experienced that in my own life before. Yeah, me too. It, you just made me think about Sam and how uh, depressed I was and how slow the summer went that he died. Yeah, it just <laughs> crawls by. Yeah, but lately, <laughs> that means life is good because it has been Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm a happy girl. <laughs> That's great. I love to hear it. Yeah. What about you? I've just been, uh, you know, hitting it hard doing these classes and yeah. doing this animal flow and as much yoga as I can, training clients, and I'm, I'm loving it. Yeah. Uh, eating a lot of sushi. And <laughs> Are you still eating sushi? Are you doing your nutrition thing still? I am. Okay. I am. Um, I'm down, I was like 16, I think 0.1% body fat when I started, and I'm hanging around 14 and a half now. So it's been good. You know, I upped, uh, did some, I've added some low intensity uh, movement to my regimen. So, you know, low intensity echo bike rides and... Mm. Traded some things out, so I'm not eating a dozen eggs every morning anymore. I'm eating six, <laughs> and now I have two pieces of fish 
and um, two scoops of pea protein. So I'm getting For approximate uh, just um, all day. All day. Okay. Uh, like so, yeah. The only thing I track is my protein. Yeah. And then I adjust the carbs and fats to, to how I feel. Um, and so I was able to switch out those six eggs for the fish and the pea protein and get approximately the same amount of protein in, but like at a caloric uh, deficit. So I saved myself about 400 calories a day just doing that. Mm. So I've been paying a little more attention and stuff like that. It's been good. Do you feel different? I'm lighter. Um, I still have a lot of energy and so I don't feel depleted at all. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. How's your program going? Good. I love it. I haven't lost any weight, but I'm not trying to either. I'm just trying to move my body and be happy about it. Um, But so I'm I'm still doing bar blend. It's week four and um, it's hard. It's crazy. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I'm lifting two pound weights. Like who would have thought in my arms? Sometimes I have to drop them. They're just the tiny movements kill me sometimes. But I love it and I feel good and... That's awesome. I know. Good stuff. Yeah. Um, So today we had discussed that we're going to have the topic of karma Mm. because it's it's used a lot in kind of a popular culture and speech and I don't know that it's used totally properly. And I saw a headline uh, recently in the news and it was about a uh, a principal of a school who I think she's now resigned from her job after posting on social media about Kobe Bryant's death. Mm. And it was something to the effect of, um, you know, if, he, if people are listening and not familiar, Kobe Bryant, the NBA star, died in a helicopter crash, and his daughter, and there were several other people in the crash. Everyone died. And I believe he was going to a uh, women's sporting event to kind of support the league or whatever the sporting event was. Mm-hmm. I'm not super up to date on the details. Um, I'm just kind of using this as a example of the way it's uh, karma is used in popular speech all the time so this lady made a post on social media and said uh, everyone's tore up about Kobe I think it's karma for a guy who was a rapist right she did yeah wow because I believe he had had some legal troubles I don't know if you I don't think he was convicted of that or anything but that's so that's kind of the and I don't want to comment on that scenario, but that the way she used the word karma and that idea is not uh, in line with the way that it's used in Eastern philosophies, kind of where the word comes from. It's uh, karma is a Sanskrit word. Buddhism, they use the word uh, kama, K-A-M-M-A. Um, so she's using it like, okay, this guy was, a, she thought it was a bad guy and Something bad happened to him. And something bad happened to him. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the popular um, definition of karma and the way that it's used. Um, So I have a few books here, and um, we'll just kind of, I'm going to read a couple passages. Uh, The first one is A Buddhist Perspective. Um, This is a book from a book called Emptiness, A Practical Guide for Meditators by Guy Armstrong. Uh, Guy Armstrong uh, has been a leading insight meditation, has been leading insight meditation retreats since 1984 in the United States, Europe, and Australia. His training included living as a monk for a year in the Thai forest lineage. Guy is a member of the Spirit Rock Teachers Council and a guiding teacher of the Insight Meditation Society. He lives in Woodacre, California. That's on the jacket, in case you're wondering about the author of this. 
Karma is a Sanskrit term. The Pali equivalent is Kama. We will use both terms interchangeably, with a bias toward the Sanskrit because karma has become a common term in English. In Sanskrit, karma is a common word that simply means action. At the time of the Buddha, action was a spirited topic for debate because different spiritual teachers taught very different things about actions. Some said that there was no result from actions, which meant that one could do anything, kill and steal and lie, or be very kind and generous, and there were no consequences for the actor either way. Others said that our futures were predetermined, so that from a spiritual perspective, there was no point in any action or effort, such as ethical conduct or meditation. Others said that by acting well, we could be reborn in favorable circumstances, and that by acting badly, we could be reborn in unpleasant circumstances. All of these were speculative views. None of the teachers or traditions knew their view to be a fact. The Buddha cast a unique and original light on the question of action when he declared, it is volition that I call kama. For having willed, one acts by body, speech, or mind. All the other traditions had focused on the action itself. The Buddha's insight was that the key to understanding action lies in the volition that gives rise to the act. This force of volition can also be called intention, urge, impulse, motivation, or motive. He said that an unwholesome volition is one that is rooted in greed, hatred, and delusion, while a wholesome volition is rooted in their opposites, renunciation, loving-kindness, and wisdom. Here is the key teaching. Actions done from a wholesome intention give rise to future results that are, in quotes, wished for, desired, agreeable, while acts done from an unwholesome intention give rise to future results that are, in quotes, not wished for, undesired, disagreeable. This connection between intention and results is what is generally known as the law of karma. Put simply, good intentions give rise to good results. Bad intentions give rise to bad results. For the Buddha, this was not a speculative view, but something he could see directly. Action can take place in body, speech, or mind. The Buddha outlined what he considered 10 unwholesome and 10 wholesome acts in these areas. In bodily acts, three actions are considered to spring from unwholesome intentions and therefore are considered unwholesome conduct. Killing a living being, taken, taking what is not given, and sexual misconduct. Four kinds of speech are considered unwholesome. False speech, malicious speech, harsh speech, and gossip. Three kinds of mental actions are unwholesome. Covetousness, ill will, and wrong view. The ten wholesome actions are to refrain from the ten unwholesome actions. It's not easy to live a life free from the ten unwholesome actions, but when we move in this direction, we experience a much greater sense of harmony and an absence of conflict. The Buddha said that when one lives wisely in this way, one thinks, I am endowed with blameless bodily, verbal, and mental action. Such a person, said the Buddha, experiences happiness and joy. This is called the bliss of blamelessness. 
The connection between actions and happiness is stated even more clearly in the opening verses of the Dhammapada, one of the most popular works in the Pali Canon. Mind is the forerunner of all things. Mind is chief. Speak and act with an impure mind, and sorrow will follow you, as the wheel of the cart follows the ox. Mind is the forerunner of all things. Mind is chief. Speak and act with a pure mind, and happiness will follow you, like your shadow, unshakable. It's hmm. a lot, isn't it? So interesting, yeah. So I definitely come at this from a <laughs> the only popular opinion of what karma is, right? I don't actually know what karma is until today, this moment. Um, but to know that karma itself is just action is interesting. And then to hear that the law of karma is the intention. So I was thinking it all kind of sounds like um, manifesting a little bit, which is what I just did for the month of January. And the whole like what you think is what you're going to receive or, you know, I don't know. Am I making any sense? Yeah, I mean, I don't know what manifesting is in particular. I don't know so if I, have, I don't like the right definition for it. Yeah. But. Um, well, I like to think of it too as I mean, you can use an analogy like even from fitness. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's say that you're going to embark on a uh, a big fitness routine and a nutrition routine uh, for a number of weeks because you want to get your body looking a certain way. Um, because you want to, uh, get back at an X, right? (laughs) You're going to, you're going to get in great shape and you're going to show them, right? Right. And so that's your intention going into this, this fitness regimen, um, versus if you go into the exact same fitness regimen, right? The same nutrition, the same, the same working out and everything, but your intention is to be healthy, uh, and feel good and look good, Mm -hmm. right? Mm Mm-hmm. So let's say you are religious with the fitness and the nutrition in both scenarios, and you come to the exact same result physically, mm-hmm. right? So your body's looking great, you know, you're, you're, you're in shape. However, if you were coming at that with the intention of, oh, I'm going to get back at my ex, you know, and I'm going to show them. And so the end result of that would be an undesirable result. Like mm-hmm. even though your body has changed and, and you know, you, you look the way you want to look, you're not going to be happy. You're not going to... You're, you're going you've to reached, feel different too. Yeah, you've reached this goal of your body, but you're going to be unsatisfied. It won't be enough. Mm-hmm. But you've had this unwholesome intention, right? It's the opposite of meta or unilateral love mm-hmm. or loving kindness, right? It's this vengeful, uh, spiteful intention. Mm-hmm. And, and, even, and even if you think about it in a more practical sense, so let's say... That's your intention when you go to the gym and you have your headphones on and your brow is furled and you're in there like going berserker mode. Like that's sending signals to everyone around you like, ah, don't approach that person. Mm -hmm. Like they don't want to be talked to versus if you're going in there and thinking, you know, I'm doing this for my health and yeah, I want to look good and everything, but this is going to make me feel better and and make me happier and I I want to feel good and look good, you know, and you got a smile on your face. That's going to, you're going to see other people. You may meet new friends that have the same mindset you mm-hmm. might start to become part of a community and then at the end of that even though your body may look the same in both those scenarios you're going to be much closer to happiness 
mm-hmm. in the scenario where you have the good intentions. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like a little bit more of a practical way to think about this. of so the intention behind the action, even if it's the same action, actually changing the end result with yeah. regards to your true happiness. Right. You know? Right. The true reduction of your suffering. Is that, did that, did that sound, <laughs> No, that it totally made sense. My mind is okay. blown. I'm kind of like, well, this is so interesting. It's funny what people think about. I was telling, so I was with my mom and my grandma, like I said, before I came here. And my mom was like, well, what are you talking about on the podcast today? And I said, karma. And she was like, oh. <laughs> and I said, what? And she was like, well, you'll have to talk to Destin about God and karma. Because she had this like negative feeling about karma, right? Huh. I guess. Well, I mean, I guess you'd have to kind of have to know like how she defines it because it's right. defined. But that's what I mean. It's totally different, right? This is a totally different. But right. and but yeah. And I think there's even nuances between. So like what I read from was kind of a Buddhist mm-hmm. interpretation mm-hmm. of karma, and I don't. Other than the jacket of this book, Guy Armstrong apparently is from the Thai forced lineage of Buddhism, even within Buddhism, there's different right, sects right. and different takes on certain things, just like in any philosophy or, or even fitness, you know, I mean, you can find a million different ideas about yeah. how to do one thing or another, uh, not that there's one right way, you know, yeah. um, so it's interesting and it's fun to talk about this stuff, yeah. you know, um, especially since you do, like you said, you hear it in so many different ways, used in so many different yeah, ways. Yeah, yeah. And so another um, take on, on karma uh, would be the, uh, the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali. Uh, I'll be reading from uh, the translation and commentary by Siri Swami Satchidananda. And they mention um, karma more than once in the sutras. But I'm just going to read a real short little passage here on it from the Yoga Sutras. And this is Book 2, Sutra 14. The karmas bear fruits of pleasure and pain, caused by merit and demerit. If you have done something meritorious, you experience pleasure and happiness. If wrong things, suffering. A happy or unhappy life is your own creation. Nobody else is responsible. If you remember this, you won't find fault with anybody. You are your own best friend as well as your worst enemy. So that's some commentary from the Yogi Sutras. <laughs> it's a little more succinct. It's a yeah. little more like... Can you see that? Yeah. I'm looking at Destiny's There you go. What are you reading? Uh, right there on 14, Sutra 14. In pain. Hmm. I like how that says, though, that it's on you. It kind of brings it back from, and, you know, this is just my own opinion, and I don't want to, like, offend anyone that's listening to this. Sometimes when you talk philosophy or start to get a little religious, people can get offended. But I like that it says it's on you. You're your best friend or your worst enemy. Yeah. Because I think we have a tendency as human beings to want to look to to magic, you know. What do you mean? to want to say, well, here's an example. I think this idea gets corrupted sometimes. So uh, 
a little story. So when me and Chad went out to Sedona, we went up to a Buddhist uh, shrine and we did some meditation. Mm -hmm. And they have these beautiful wood statues and carvings of the Buddha. Mm -hmm. And people had taken dollar bills and money and stuffed it in the fingers and the hands and in the little crevices around these statues. Now, it's my understanding that people do that because it's as if they think that they're giving something to get something. Oh. Like it's some sort of magical thing. If mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. look at this idol or the Buddha yeah. and I give money, then I'll get money back mm-hmm. or good fortune will happen to me. Whereas and you're in control. It's on you. Yeah. It has nothing to do with some sort of magic or spirit. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, that's what that's saying. He says, it's on you for a happy life or to be miserable. But what do you think? I mean, if it says, if wrong things, suffering. Everyone suffers. This, and not all the time because... Right. And it, and it depends how you, de- how you define suffering. And, yeah. And I think, that they de- he's, I think that they're using it the way that they use it in Buddhism. They're referring to dukkha, mm-hmm. um, which doesn't translate exactly to suffering in our language. It, it definitely means suffering, like the way we say it. Right. You know, like you're laying in bed sick and ill and you can't move, you're suffering, yeah, that. Or you're experiencing physical pain. But a a broader definition would mean dissatisfaction. Mm -hmm. So wanting something that you don't have Mm -hmm. would be suffering. Or experiencing um, aversion, you know, not wanting to do your work is a form of suffering. Right, and according to Buddhism, it's that's what this existence is. Mm-hmm. It's always dissatisfaction, and according to evolutionary psychology, they agree. You know that's why we're here because if we didn't want more food, want more right. Uh, influence, right, like social influence, or want more uh, sex, we we wouldn't be here. Those those are drivers of our biology that push forth our genes, our genetics, right. you know, and, and also allow us to literally survive survive. if you kind of think of it in the in the context of like a caveman right you're like oh yeah that makes sense you know well why does you know why does someone want to be um, accepted by people like why would you right not like be your authentic self because you fear Mm -hmm. being excluded Mm -hmm. and that's a totally natural thing because if you're in a tribe of people think about cavemen and Hey, Abby, we don't really like you anymore, you know? Then you're not in the tribe. You're not eating. You're not getting protected. You don't have the group of humans to help protect you from the the saber-toothed tiger. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's bad news for you if people are like, we don't like you, man, you know? Yeah. Um, It's kind of what the book I'm reading now is talking about the ego. Yeah? What's it saying? It's just talking about how we, we, well, why didn't I bring that up? Oh, you you were mentioning suffering. Mentioning suffering and how we the ego attaches itself to fear versus when we're living in our souls. Yeah, totally. And we are in with peace, or we live with peace. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's a lot, isn't it? <laughs> it is a lot, Dustin. Yeah. Yeah, I like to. Uh, I think it's fascinating to kind of find these little strands on these uh, different ideas and mm-hmm. kind of read the different perspectives on them, you know, so 
got this, you know, from Buddhism, from uh, Hinduism or the yogic uh, perspective, and then from like a kind of a hard line, like evolutionary psychology perspective is interesting. Mm-hmm. It's because you'll, you'll find a lot of uh, common themes, you know. Well, I think I was thinking about the book and then I was thinking about someone like Maharaji, is that how you say it? Oh, the Ram Dass's yes. guru, yeah. And so how he's someone who has nothing, right? Mm-hmm. He is like Mature. a caveman, but here he is happy and Absolutely. leading a life of, I don't know. I don't know. his. What is it? His karma is, is it good? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. absolutely, right? So, I mean, if you... <laughs> If you look at him as an example of like a fully realized and enlightened human being, mm-hmm. um, we're talking about uh, you're referencing the Ramdas book, right. Walking Each Other Home, and you're referencing Ramdas's guru, Neem Karoli Baba, mm-hmm. uh, the Maharishi. Mm-hmm. Um, so apparently, he was a, he was an Indian saint and a devotee of the Hindu god Hanuman, the uh, monkey god. Right, but you have to understand too, and the way I understand Hinduism is that you know Hanuman. It's not a, uh, it's not really a deity. It's like, it's an, it's a representation of some desirable or wholesome human attributes and characteristics. Right, and so Neem Karoli Baba uh, was a bhakti yogi. Right, bhakti yoga is devotional yoga. Mm-hmm. Um, Christianity would be described the way most people practice it as bhakti yoga, mm-hmm. where you're fully devoting yourself to a deity. Right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of the. Have you ever heard the expression "let go, let God"? Yeah. Right. You're fully unattaching, and so that's another path, um, according uh, to yoga that you can achieve uh, enlightenment or union mm-hmm. um, is, is bhakti yoga. Mm-hmm. Or, and so, yeah, so he had apparently achieved that. You know, the man didn't have many teeth. He owned one blanket, and he was always happy. And um, if I remember right, Ram Dass said he'd never experienced unconditional love. Right. And he experienced that from this guy who he just met in India when he was, like, over there hiking in the 60s. And apparently, it was just undeniable. Um, so, and I mean, there's, there's scientific evidence to support these things. Like, you read some of these stories about Neem Karoli Baba, and you're kind of like, hmm, you know, it sounds pretty <laughs> far out, you know. But, you know, if you read the book Altered Traits, um, legitimate uh, scholars studied uh, through functional MRIs, the brains of yogis, uh, meditators, they had very advanced practitioners. I'm talking like guys that have been, have thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of hours of meditation. They've been doing it for 20 or 30 years and their brains are different. Mm-hmm. They've changed, they've funk, they've structurally changed their brains through this practice. So, I mean, there's a basis in science for this right. as well. It's not just all spiritual right just right. <laughs> in air quotes because right. it's more important probably <laughs> right well i mean there's some scientific validity to the practices mm-hmm. um and not that science is everything you know so i think the scientific studies are great mm-hmm. but it's just kind of a suggestion mm-hmm. you know i mean just because something's not scientifically 
validated doesn't mean that it's not effective. They just haven't studied it yet. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they haven't studied it well yet, you know. But it's also, I think it's a great, like, indicator, you know, that, to kind of say, there's something to this. Right. You know? Right. So, I don't know why my mind just went here, but is there something called karma yoga? There is. Do you know what that is? I don't. Okay, me either. Oh, we should have figured it out. <laughs> I know. I should have read on that. <laughs> I didn't even think about it until just now for yeah. whatever reason. Yeah, I've I've read I've read that term yeah, a, a couple times and I just I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe it's continued. the yoga, you know, the yoga of of action. Maybe it's kind yeah. of like just doing selfless deeds and and that kind of thing, charity work. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Mm. I don't know though. But, uh, another, another maybe some for yoga teacher training to, to bring up. <laughs> yes. We'll learn to yeah. be continued. Yeah, to be continued. <laughs> yeah. So, what else have you gotten into with that book? I don't know. You should see it. <laughs> I saw this meme on Facebook the other day. This is kind of off topic, but it was like reading a spiritual book, and every single line was highlighted. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically <laughs> how I am with this book. There's yeah. just so much good content. Um, yeah, I loved that book. Yeah, I just needed it. Came it came at the right time. It's so funny that we had talked about it, and I remember when you read from it the first time, and I was like, "Oh, that spoke to me." But then I didn't think anything of it until I knew. You know, I messaged you, and I was like, "I feel crazy because yeah. I felt just my emotions have felt all out of whack." And um, it's been a blessing. It's it's nice to know that you know death is still a part of life and. Yeah. I don't know. We were talking before we started the podcast about how, at the end of the day, does it really matter? <laughs> yeah. You know? I guess it does. Our karma matters. Yeah, absolutely. That's what, I mean, what you're telling me. Yeah, being kind to people and, and, and acting with wholesome intentions. And, like, after that, though, mm-hmm. it, it really, in my opinion, doesn't. Yeah. Um. One great thing, uh, that Walking Each Other Home book's so good. Mm. It's so well written, and there's so much useful, good stuff in there. I mean, you know, I've read several of these books on Buddhism and different various Eastern contemplative traditions, and some of them I don't recommend, like this emptiness book that I just read through. That was a a good passage kind of on karma, but I wouldn't recommend this book. It's kind of dry. Mm. It's kind of abstract a lot you know Um, but that walking each other home book is I think amazing Um, and one thing that I believe that was in there that um, Ramdas had said that the Maharishi uh, Neem Karoli Baba had told him and his devotees was love serve and remember God Mm -hmm. however you understand that Mm -hmm. term God and I was like man that is so potent he was like that's it that's it yeah (laughs) <laughs> love it makes it pretty simplified right right and what then, we should be doing <laughs> right and then it's you know if you think about in that emptiness book they talked about um you know if you have if you're have, having wholesome intentions between all of your actions you have that what blameless bliss or mm-hmm. blamelessness mm-hmm. it's like acting from love all the time then right there's nothing you you don't have any worry on your back yeah you know and it makes sense to me then when we're acting with love all the time why we would reap the benefit of a happier life absolutely you know yeah serving others yeah. trying to be as selfless as possible mm-hmm. um you know the uh and and that's that's why i think i've kind of attached to buddhism because it's a it's a it's like a um 
it's like a, a plan, you know, it's like a program for this, right? And they lay, they lay out, they love lists in Buddhism. There's all these lists, right? The Four Noble Truths, the Eightfold Path. And, mm-hmm. it, all, and it all kind of bleeds over and, and ties into each other. And so they have um, something they call the Four Immeasurables, right? These immeasurable attributes. And they call them immeasurable, from my understanding, because they're so potent that this is going to help you come to this, you know, this uh, happiness and enlightenment that you can't measure how important they are. And the first one's metta or unilateral love. Loving one way, right? Mm-hmm. You know, somebody hates you and, and, and you don't have to like them, but you should love them. You know, because that's you. We're a collective organism, right? The second one is, let's see, unilateral love, compassion. Mm-hmm. And they define, or the way I understand compassion is where love meets pain, Right? You see pain in somebody. Maybe they're being even aggressive to you. You know, you meet that with love, and that's compassion. Um, sympathetic happiness is the third one. Sympathetic happiness is being happy for other people's happiness. Oh. So it's like the opposite of jealousy. Mm-hmm. So you see someone that's happy, and you should be happy for that. That they're happy. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, and then the, the last one is equanimity, or that space, right, between stimulus and your response to it. So you're not reacting. You have that space between your thoughts mm-hmm. and the way you react to it through, you know, external stimulus and the way you respond to it and not react to it. And that's the, uh, the fourth immeasurable uh, <laughs> trait. And all these can be, again, built up through training, right. through different types of meditation, through different wholesome acts of compassion and service and you know all these good things so so many good things through love yeah (laughs) it's the answer it is the answer i agree (laughs) yeah it's pretty deep isn't it oh yeah yeah tell me what you have here let's see so i think we will close this out with the guided meditation, and I wanted to, um, I wanted to end with this because I think it's important. This is a health and wellness podcast, and I'm always around uh, working out and talking about improving this or improving that. But the the fact is, that's all bonus. You are absolutely perfect, the way you are. That right now, you're absolutely perfect the way you are. Any kind of improvements you make is just bonus. You know, you're perfect with room for improvement. And I think it's important to remember that as like a 30,000 foot perspective <laughs> on, on everything, right? Mm-hmm. Especially if you're like in a nutrition challenge and you're trying to lose weight like I am and I'm checking every morning. Like I have to remind myself of that where I'm like, oh, you know, I went up a little bit. Like yeah. it's easy to fall into that critical mindset and to be like, you know what? This is just a fun thing I'm doing. I'm perfect the way I am. And, uh, you know, everything's going to be all right. So this is a guided meditation. So feel free to enjoy. I'll give a little intro. It's from the book Buddha Standard Time, Awakening to the Infinite Possibilities of Now by Lama Surya Das. And I'll give you a little background on him before I read it. From the uh, jacket here. Let's see. And I do recommend this book. 
uh, it's it's pretty good. Uh, Lama Suryadas. Uh, let's see. Where is that? He's an American Lama. Um, the Dalai Lama has actually called him the American Lama. And I think I just read that he was uh, actually at Ram Dass's, um memorial service. Mm-hmm. I can't find the description, so I'm just going to jump right into <laughs> oh, it. Oh, that's fine. Um, <laughs> People can look him up or the book. Yeah, I lost my bookmark. <laughs> Here's a practice called Simply Being to help put you in touch with your deeper, more authentic self. It will help you see that you are perfect right now, just as you are. No more striving, no more struggle, no more inner tensions or conflicts. Simply being. Sit comfortably. Perhaps close your eyes or lower your gaze. Take a deep breath or two and relax. Breathe slowly and let it all go. Release the tension and relax a little more. Stop doing and settle. Back into just being. Let things settle without your direction or intercession. Let go. Wherever things fall is okay for now. Open to the wisdom of allowing of inclusive acceptance. Befriend yourself. Familiarize yourself with your own fundamental presence. Let awareness be uninterrupted by techniques or concepts. If and when you feel lost, distracted, spaced out, or sleepy, get in touch with your breath. Watch the breath. Observe the inhalation and exhalation as they effortlessly occur. Feel the breath moving in and out, anchoring you in the present moment while you again let everything go without judgment, evaluation, or interference. Opening gradually to the effortlessness of pure presence, turn your attention inward. All we seek can be found within. This is the process and practice of inner freedom. Being Buddha, being yourself, being all. Namaste. Namaste.